You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Let's try that again. That was good down here. Good morning. All right, that's much better. If you have a Bible, let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 5 this morning. Galatians chapter 5, as we continue in our series, Ghost Stories, a study through the Holy Spirit. If you are uh, with us today and you are a first-time guest, welcome. We are uh, delighted to have you with us. Our hope is that you feel welcome, that you receive uh, a blessing from uh, this service today as you meet the real resurrected King Jesus and hear from Him through a song and through the preaching of the Word. And you know, if you want to get connected, some people are like, I just kind of want to slip in here and slip out, and that's fine, <laughs> we understand. But if you want to get connected, uh, come on in, Hollins, come on in. <laughs> you know, when you, when you show up late some places, you get condemnation, but here you get shout-outs. And so, um, so somebody make room for this fine family right here. Yeah, come on in. You can preach if you want, just whatever, whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, and so if you want to get connected, um, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can grab a Connect card over here, fill out information about yourself, and uh, thank you, Kent, and you can, you can hand those in, or you can, uh, there's also a sheet on there, a little flyer, it's got all sorts of information about our church and how you can get connected. You can grab one of those, or uh, if you would rather not be connected anyway, but you want to learn more about us, you can go to our website, that's fellowshipparagold.com, and you can learn more about us by uh, reading uh, there. And so, um, again, first-time guests, welcome. If you are a dad and you're here, also welcome. Uh, we salute you this morning, fathers. Uh, you are incredibly important to your family, uh, to your children. And so uh, I had a long thing I wanted to read this morning to you, but I'm going to spare you that. Um, it, it's just, man, I am for the men of our church and for the women too, but I, I just really believe that if we have strong men, we have strong families, we have strong churches, we have a strong country. Um, and there's just not a lot of strong men, I think, in our world today. We have a lot of absent fathers, a lot of fathers who have kind of just checked out. And so, um, man, what a call from God that first off, that he would give us a wife that we don't deserve, right? And then he would give us children that we don't deserve, and he would call us to watch over them. And so, uh, man, thank you, men, for uh, being the man God has called you to be. All right, Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. We're going to start in verse 16. We're going to read down, I believe, to verse 26. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes the following. I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's pray together one more time. I ask that you pray for me as I pray for you. Father, I do thank you for each person that is here this morning. I believe that we are here because, God, in your providence, you have called us together for such a time as this. And um, 
My hope is that, Holy Spirit, you will work through this message, that you will take these words and make them more than just words on a page, that you will make them active and living in our hearts, and that you will transform us for our good and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, I want to say a show of hands. Anybody in here ever had a near-death experience? Anybody? Okay, a few of you, right? Good times. Um, I remember when I was 21 years old, I decided to lead a group of college students on a canoe trip to Spring River. Now, um, this sounded like a good idea, but the problem is I've never been canoeing up to this point. Um, but I had assured my wife that, that despite the fact that I had never been canoeing, that I was more than capable to lead a group of college students on this trip. And so um, I hopped on a church bus. I was a college pastor at the time, and I took a group of college students to Spring River, and we got to the canoe shop uh, to rent our, our canoes. And, and, and we're sitting there, and I'm paying for the canoes, and I hear some lady walk over, and she pulls out a map, and she's like, all right, everybody gather up over here. I want you to see something. She said, you see this spot right here? Last week, a man died in this spot. So what I want you to do is I want you to be careful. When you come around to this part of the river, make sure you stay to the right side because if you don't, you're going to go right smack dab into an oak tree. You're going to get stuck in it. You're probably going to drown. So just stay away from it. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, whatever, you know? Like, is this really that big of a deal? Like, is she over-exaggerating this? And so I had no idea what she was talking about. Just kind of caught bits and pieces. So, so um, we got our canoes and we headed down to the river and, and we had, I think, 21 students with us. And because we had an odd man out... Um, we needed a third person in my canoe. And so how smart is this? I'm in the back of the canoe, never been canoeing. Uh, a guy named Jeff, who's a 250-pound man who, who uh, how can I say this, is not real coordinated. Um, he's in the front of the canoe, despite the fact he's never been canoeing. And then my wife, the only one who has been canoeing, we shove in the middle of the canoe and put this board over that basically locks her down in there where she has zero control over what happens the rest of the day. All right, and so uh, never claimed to be smart. All right, and so we we take off, and, and I'm thinking, man, this is great. I mean, it's funny because like our canoe were so heavy, like we're like one inch above the water, but we're moseying along in the river. Everything is going well until eventually we come to this place where the rapids pick up, and I look to my right, and I notice everybody else is on this side of the river. And so uh, immediately I thought, uh-oh, this is probably the place where she told me I should have been on that side of the river. But by the time I had that thought, I look up and there is a massive oak tree in our way. And we are heading towards this thing with a reckless abandon. I mean, we are, we are moving. And so I do everything I can with my little stick arms to try to, to stop the canoe. I mean, I've got my oar and then I'm just like, you know, like I'm trying to like to hold it. And the, like, the guy in the front, Jeff, like has no idea what to do. He's paralyzed in fear. And so I just yell at my wife. The only thing a man does, I said, Megan, do something. Right. And, and so like Megan like has nothing. Like, so she just raises her arms up and goes, eh. and so like there's a branch coming. And so she tries to grab the branch to stop us. But when she does, our momentum was just, I mean, we were flying. And so when she, when she grabbed the branch, it literally flipped our canoe under this tree. And so I lost everything, my glasses, my cell phone, everything else I was told you don't take with you on a canoe trip. Um, after we wrecked, and so we go under this tree, and I mean, we're hitting these branches, and, and I'm just sitting there thinking the whole time, like, uh, Megan was my girlfriend at my time, not the wife, and I was thinking, like, man, I'm never going to get married, like, I'm going to lose my wife, because she was not a great swimmer, but fortunately, whew, we came up out of the water, and we made it with just a few scratches and bruises, right? But I look back at that moment, and I say, man, this was one of the scariest moments of my life, because I was heading towards a danger and there was nothing I could do about it, right? I, I mean, one moment I'm cruising along thinking all is well and the next moment I find myself sucked into this destructive path 
where no matter how hard I fought against it, no matter how much I resisted, I could not correct course. And the reason I share that is because I believe that sums up the way some of us in here today feel about sin. I know when I first became a Christian, I read passages like, hey, the wages of sin is death. Okay, and I would read that and say, okay, so apparently it's not good to to sin. Sin equals death. So no problem. I just won't sin. Seems easy enough, right? I'll just stop looking at porn. I'll stop lying to people to impress them. I'll start tithing to the church. I mean, no problem whatsoever. But here is the issue. What I discovered is like my canoe experience, no matter how bad I wanted to avoid sin, no matter how hard I tried to resist, it seemed like there was this this current that kept pulling me into sinfulness. And maybe for some of you this morning, that's where you find yourself. There are some sins in your life that you are ashamed to even admit that you still struggle with. Some habits that you are surprised that you have not been able to kick by now. Some of you in here today, you claim to be a Christian, and yet you find yourself struggling with the same sins over and over. And maybe even for some of you, you find yourself in a sin that you never thought that you would be in. And to be honest, you feel like today that maybe you're going under, and you're wondering, am I ever going to be able to get out of it? And the good news is, there is a way out. There is a way out. That's what Paul tells us right here in verse 16 where he says this, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Are you kidding me? Like, is this really in the Bible? Paul says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, if you walk by the Spirit, listen guys, there is no sin so big that it has to crush you. There is no situation so desperate that that you can't get out of it. Right? It just says if we learn to walk in the Spirit, right, there is nothing, no addiction so powerful that it has to enslave us. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your family background is or what your history or your personality type, if you are a Christian, if you have received the Holy Spirit, you can overcome anything that the enemy throws at you. Isn't that great news this morning? But some of you, maybe you hear that and you say, okay, that's great. I know what the Bible says, but why in the world do I keep sinning? Why do I keep struggling with the same stuff over and over and over again? And Paul says, I'm glad you asked. Verse 17, he gives us the answer. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Okay, what Paul says is this. When you become a Christian, immediately, right, we all receive the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit comes a new, abundant life. In fact, Paul talks about this new life in verse 22. He says, when you receive the uh, the Spirit, you receive the fruit of the Spirit. And notice in verse 22, he doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. He says the fruit of the Spirit is. When you walk in the Spirit, again, no matter what your personality type is, these things are going to be true of you. You are going to live a life. Think about how amazing this is, by the way. Just... Just focus on these words. You are, when you walk by the Spirit, going to experience, look, look, verse 22, love, joy, peace. Who's not longing for peace in here? 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. These are the fruit. This is the fruit that comes with walking in the Holy Spirit. And when you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. But if we can be honest, we don't always live lives marked by love, do we? And joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness. And the reason why that is, is because what Paul says, is when you become a Christian, yes, you receive the Holy Spirit, but you still struggle with this thing called the flesh. Okay, now listen. When you think of the flesh, don't think of a physical body. That's not what he's referring to here. But when he talks about the flesh, what he is referring to is this part of every human being that says, I know what God's told me to do, but I think I'm going to do something different. That's what he's talking about when he says the flesh. He's saying that there is, there is something in every single one of us, even today, that says if it looks good, if it tastes good, if it feels good, I'm going for it because I don't want to deny my flesh. I don't want to deny myself from the instant gratification that is before me. This is what Paul's talking about when he's referring to the flesh. And then look in verse 19. He's already given us examples in verse 22 of a life walking in the Spirit. And now he says this is what a life looks like in the flesh. Verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. This looks like a wonderful life, doesn't it? Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. You notice one thing these all have in common? It's the life of an incredibly selfish person that says, I'm going to do what's best for me. And that's what sexual morality is all about, by the way. The reason God says have sex within marriage is not because he's a celestial killjoy that doesn't want us to have pleasure. He says, have sex within marriage because sex is symbolic for the fact that you've said to this person, I'm going to give the rest of my life to you. I'm going to commit everything I have to you. And sex is a way that God says we seal that covenant. And so when we have sex outside of marriage, what we are ultimately saying to someone is, I don't really want to commit to you. I don't really want to to take responsibility for you, but I want to rob you of something that I want that will give me pleasure right here and right now. Right? That's what sexual immorality is. It's selfish. It's the same thing you look at the rest of this list, right? I mean, the rest of the things he lists out, like jealousy and, and strife and fits of anger and envy, right? All of these things are the result of someone who lives with a self-entitled heart that says, I deserve more than I'm getting, and I will do whatever it takes to get it, no matter what God says about it. This is what Paul's referring to when he's talking about the flesh. And look right at me. This is why this is so important. We've got to get this today. What Paul is saying here is when you become a Christian, listen, the desires of the flesh don't just go away. When you become a Christian, these desires that Paul just listed, that some of you maybe look at me like, I would never do that. Well, according to the Bible, all of us have desires to do these things. All of us are tempted to live in this way. And you need to hear that because some of you, right, or probably all of us, if you've been in church, you've heard the testimony from the guy that's been like, when God found me, I was in the back of an El Camino smoking pot. And then Jesus broke into my life and I never wanted pot again or drugs. or I mean, I just walked a straight and narrow. Right? Okay, maybe. Maybe that's a true story. But according to the Bible, that's not normative. According to the Bible, though God does deliver us from certain things, the reality is even whenever we become a Christian, we continue to struggle with the flesh. 
And some of you need to hear that today because you're beating yourself up over the fact that you're still facing some of the same temptations that you were facing 15 years ago. Some of you are still beating yourself up. You're thinking, why do I still have these temptations? Why do I, if I'm a Christian, do I still have these thoughts? Why do I still have some of these desires? And here's the answer. Are you ready? Because though you have the Spirit, you still have the flesh. And these two, Paul said, are warring against each other. And so here's what that means. Listen, guys. According to the Bible, there is never going to come a point in your life where you are not going to be tempted. You're never going to come to a place where you can stop fighting against your sins and these fleshly desires. Maybe some of you, you walked in here today and you're like, I don't struggle with any sin. Actually, I've whipped most of them. I, I'm pretty much perfect. Okay, well, First John, God says, you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. You're deceived. In fact, you're lost. Because you don't even see how sinful you really are. The reality is, look around. There's one thing we all have in common, and here's what it is. We're all still battling the flesh. We all still have areas in our life where we are struggling against these sinful, fleshly desires. In fact, it's even happening right now. If you have the Spirit of God, the Spirit is saying to you, listen to the sermon. Engage in what's being said. This is the word of God. It is for your good. I've given it to you to transform your mind. And you're hearing that from the Spirit. But is there not a part of your flesh that's saying, look around at everybody else and think about what everybody else is doing right now and forget the sermon? Is there not a part of you that's saying, I'm hungry. How long is the preacher going to go? Is there not a part of you that says, I'm tired. I think I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> is there not a part of you that thinks about everything else you have to do throughout the week? Right? The reality is, even whenever it seems like there's nothing going on, like you're just passively sitting in a seat, there is warfare going on. What Paul just said in here is that your flesh is warring against the spirit, and your spirit is warring against the flesh. And so here's some good news. You ready for this this morning? If you're here today and you are fighting against sin, you're struggling with temptation, you're warring against it, that is not proof that you are not a Christian. That's proof that you probably are a Christian. It's proof that you probably really do have the Spirit of God in you. But on the flip side, listen carefully. If you're in here today and you are comfortable with your sin, and there is no fighting, there is no warring against it, that is great reason to be concerned. Because what does Paul say in verse 19 through 21? He lists the works of the flesh that we all struggle with, and then he comes to the end... And he says in verse 21, I warned you as I've warned you before that those who do such things will not what? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh-oh. We've all said these are temptations. These are struggles. Paul just says if you do these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So what is he talking about here? Well, what he's not saying is if, if you at times struggle with this, if you at times find yourself slipping into some of these things, he's not saying you are going to hell. That is not what he's talking about. But what he is saying is this. If you sit here this morning and you continue in a pattern of sin without fighting against it, without warring against it, you have no assurance that the Spirit of God is in you. That's what he's saying. You have zero assurance, therefore, that you have actually received a true salvation. And I know that's heavy this morning, but some of you need to feel the weight of that. One of the scariest passages to me in all the Bible is Romans chapter 1. 
where God calls a group of people that are sinning away from their sin. He says, stop pursuing this way. Stop going down this path. It's not going to go well for you. And they basically say to God, leave me alone. I'm going to do my own thing. And how does God respond to them in his wrath? Remember in Romans 1? What does God do to people that say, you know what? I'm just going to live my way. In Romans 1, this is the way his wrath looks. He doesn't give them cancer. He doesn't send hellfire and brimstone. But he responds by doing absolutely nothing. In other words, God responds by letting them go in their sin unchecked and unabated, thinking all is okay until one day they fall asleep and then they wake up in hell. Now, can some of you agree that's a pretty terrifying idea? But here's what I would say this morning. If you hear what I just said in Romans 1 or you read this, in Galatians 5, and you say, Ben, that's, that's scary stuff. Like, I, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to become comfortable with my sin. I want to fight against it. Then listen, that's a sign you have the Holy Spirit. But if you sit here and listen, I just read Romans 1, and I read this in Galatians 5, and you're kind of like, eh. I'm telling you guys, listen, even if you prayed a prayer, I don't care what somebody else has said to you. Listen, if you are nonchalantly listening to stuff like this and going, eh, it is what it is, you have no assurance of your salvation. You have no assurance that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's what Paul is getting at here. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit wars against sin. Yes, all of us in here face temptation. And the mark of a Christian is when you face temptation, when you see sin in your life, is you don't get cool with that. You look and you say, man, I'm convicted by that. I know that it's going to lead to death. And what the Holy Spirit does is says, fight against this for your very life. That's how you know you've received the Holy Spirit. And for some of you today, that might be a little discouraging. <laughs> to think about the Christian life, the entire Christian life, being a fight. But I remind you again what Paul says in verse 16. He says, though the Christian life is a constant fight, as Christians, we no longer have to live in bondage to flesh because we now have the Spirit. We can overcome. You can overcome. You can change. Isn't that great news this morning? And this is what Paul gets at in verse 18 when he says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. What is Paul talking about here? He's simply reminding us of the gospel. He's saying, look, you can never fulfill the law of God. You can't live a perfect life. You cannot do this. That's why Jesus had to come and do it for you. Jesus came and fulfilled the law perfectly. He came and lived a perfect life that you could never live. And then he went to a cross, Right? And he died a death for sins, for lawless people, the death that we all deserve to die, but none of us wanted to die. And then he, the Bible says, didn't just stay in the grave, but he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and he conquered death. And then he ascended to the Father and he sent us his very own Holy Spirit so that now, rather than us just living in the power of the flesh like those who are under the law, like religious people do, we can now live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's good news this morning. That is wonderful news. What Paul is doing here is he's reminding us of the finished work of Christ on our behalf. He's saying when you receive the Spirit immediately, immediately you receive a break from the old life. He sends us his Spirit so that now rather than operating in the flesh, we can operate in the Spirit. So that we can now obey the law of God for our good and His glory. 
And ultimately, we obey the law, what the Spirit reminds us of, not to earn God's love, but because we already are loved in Christ fully and forever. This is the secret to the Christian life. You cannot, apart from the Spirit, defeat your sin. I'm telling you, you cannot do it. But what we're reminded, and what the Spirit continues to remind us of, is, as Paul says in verse 24, that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that what? So that now we don't have to live in bondage to our flesh, but we can experience the freedom that we are longing for in the Holy Spirit. Man, I hope that puts you in a good mood this morning. I know for me, when I first became a Christian, I had so little understanding of the Holy Spirit, but I really wanted to do what God had called me to do. I didn't want to sin. And so I remember doing just radical things to try to defeat my sin. And some of you have heard the stories of this, of how I would literally do things like write every single sin that I could think of on a sheet of paper that I committed that day. I would put it in a box and I would bury it. And then I'd be like, God, I pray that you will bury the sins in my heart as I bury this box. You know, and just crazy stuff like that. I'd burn all of my secular CDs. I'd just wear WWJD bracelets and put Real Men Love Jesus on my car. I I did everything that I could to try to defeat sin. But over and over, I would fall back into it. To be honest, I got very discouraged because I began to think this. I began to think, really, there's two types of Christians. There's normal Christians like me who are never going to overcome sin. They're just going to live a mediocre life. And then there's the varsity Christians who have like this superpower and they can overcome anything. And I remember looking at them being like, yeah, it must be nice to be you. You know? It's kind of like whenever I fly in a plane, I always sit in economy, can't afford first class. But isn't it interesting how the airlines put first class in the front? So when you're in economy, you have to walk through first class. And it's like everybody's like drinking champagne, you know, and they're cutting with silver cutlery and they got all this leg room and then you get into economy and people's like hacking all over the place and they're like throwing plastic peanuts at you and you're drinking water out of the same kind of cup you pee in at the doctor's office and there's like your legs like hitting the seat, you know, like there's no room. I mean, it's like, it's, it's awful. And you just, and the thing is you can see first class from where you're sitting and it's like, oh, oh, how nice. I wish that could be me, but I know it never will. That's the way some of you view the Christian life. You realize that? Some of you think there are certain things you are never going to overcome. Some of you are looking at porn. And you've given up on the fight because you said you're never going to be able to get over it. Some of you in here are depressed. You're anxious. You're bitter. You're angry. You say, I'm never going to be able to love other people the way God's called me to love. Guys, that is a lie from hell. If you are in Christ, no matter who you are, you have the Spirit of God. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. Does anybody need to be freed from something today? The Holy Spirit doesn't. You have everything that you need to live the life you're longing for. You have everything you need to experience. Paul says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. You want love. You want joy. You're looking for it in so many places, and it's not working. You filled your bank account, and you still didn't have joy. You got the promotion. You still didn't have joy. You found that girl or that guy. You still don't have joy. You had that person at work that flirts with you. You still don't have complete joy. 
You have 5,000 friends on Facebook who aren't really your friends. But you think they do and it still doesn't give you joy. You can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this does not come, thank God, through trying harder to be better. It comes through walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the question as we come in for a landing this week is how do I walk in the Spirit? And there's just a couple things I would say. First, if you want to walk in the Spirit, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 through 18, I alluded to this passage earlier. I think I can put it on the screen for you. Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's freedom. Let's say it again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And let's keep reading. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, seeing Him as He really is, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is what? The Spirit. You know what the Spirit's work is in your life? His main role, really, I know we're talking about gifts and fruits and all that. His main role is to show you the glory of Jesus. The main role of the Holy Spirit is to open your eyes to see Jesus as he really is. And when you begin to see Jesus as he is, when you fix your eyes, what does Paul say happens? You begin to be transformed. You become more and more and more like Jesus. And so the key this morning is if you want to walk in the Spirit, first thing is you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Some of you say, I've never done that. Okay, this morning you need to become a Christian. You need to trust for the first time in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Believe it or not, he knows better than you. He knows how life works. You don't. Repent of your sin and trust fully in him this morning. Some of you said, I've already done that. Okay, you don't walk away from the gospel. You continue to look at Jesus Christ. The gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity. As Tim Keller says, it's the A to Zs of Christianity. We do not move away from Jesus. We just move deeper and deeper and deeper into his gospel. And that's the first step this morning. You want to walk in the Spirit, fix your eyes on Jesus. The second thing I would say is this. Not only do you need to walk or fix your eyes on Jesus, but if you want to walk in the Spirit, you need to live with an awareness of God's Spirit in your everyday life. You need to learn to live with a 24-7 awareness of God's presence in your life. Rather than keeping God at the back of your mind, you need to learn to keep Him at the front of your mind. You need to learn how to be in two different places at one time. And so what I mean by that is, when you go throughout your week, right, you need to realize that you're not just in the shower singing to Taylor Swift. Not that I've ever done that, but I'm sure some of you have. But you're also in the presence of God. When you're in your morning run or in the gym, you're also in the presence of God. When you're in the line at Walmart, you're also in the presence of God. When you're at work doing stuff that you're like, I don't even understand what the point of this is, you're also in the presence of God. When you're hanging out with friends, you're also hanging out in the presence of God. That's a key to walking in the Spirit. And I know for some of you, like this doesn't seem groundbreaking, but I would assume the majority of you are probably not doing this regularly. 
And so I would just say, like, if you want to walk in the Spirit, you want to receive His power, you want to experience the fruits and the gifts and these things we've talked about, it comes from fixing our eyes on Jesus, and it also means living with an awareness of God's presence in our everyday life. And so maybe you ask, well, practically, what does that look like for, for me? And, and I can just tell you what, what it does look like for me. Um, and what I would just say is before I tell you practically what it looks like, please don't hear this as, like, this is a science. I would say it's more of an art. And so you might not look quite like me. This is just how God makes me aware of his presence. And I would say the first thing is this, is every single day I start with an awareness of God by spending time in scripture and in prayer and in listening to worship music every single day. I said it a few weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. Guys, it is not legalistic for you to set your alarm clock early enough for you to get up and read your Bible. This is an evidence of God's grace. Some of you are like, I don't feel the presence of God. And you never spend any time in scripture. This is God's word given to us through the Holy Spirit to experience God. So I get up early and I spend time in Scripture. And I pray. And I listen to a few songs that stir my heart towards Jesus. Another thing that I've just started doing recently is I've journaled for 10 years, but I've stopped journaling and now I keep a notepad next to me. And what I do is as I'm... um, Actually, yeah, I've got it right here. And as I'm... As I'm reading scripture and I'm praying, I'm just writing down some things that God is saying to me that he wants me to remember for that day. And I pull it out at different times throughout the day and I just read it. And so like today, I mean, again, like this is not anything groundbreaking to you. It's to me. So it's not probably, I mean, anything to you. But this morning, God said, stop, study the works that I've done around you. Enjoy this day. It is a gift. And so that was God's way of just saying, stop focusing on the destination. Enjoy the journey Enjoy your children now. Enjoy your wife now. Enjoy the trees now. Enjoy the people that you interact with now. And that's a reminder for me. He said to remember the joy of your salvation. Remember why you got in ministry to begin with. Because it's all about Jesus. Right? And there's other things I, I wrote on there. And the reason I do this is because I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just super sinful or super weak. But I, I just know that, that there's sometimes I can read the Bible at 6.30 a.m. And by 11 a.m. I don't even remember what I read. Anybody else struggle with that? I don't remember. It's fascinating to me, isn't it? How quick I can forget stuff like that. And so I need that reminder. Something else that I'm trying to do just a couple times a day is just to stop and breathe for a couple minutes and say, all right, God, I'm here and you're here. I'm alive. You're alive. Am I on track? Is there anything that you want to say to me? And that's it. Just a few moments of just doing that during the day. And I know, again, this is so simple, right? What I hope that you see is it's just like, what I want you to see is walking in the Spirit is all about communing with the Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. And he is the third person of the Trinity. And he, being God, desires more than anything a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to listen from you. And I promise if you will begin to commune with him, you will experience these fruits that we've talked about. You will experience the gifts we talked about last week as you are more and more experiencing his empowering presence in your life. Some of you this morning, you are clinging to sin that nobody else knows about. Some of you this morning, you are walking in the flesh and you are believing the lie that it's going to give you life. 
The Bible says the opposite is true. It will, in one way or another, eventually lead you down a path of death and destruction. And so what I pray is for you this morning, if that is true, man, you will, you will realize that if I want life, it is not found in the flesh, it is found in the Spirit of Jesus. And that you will give your life to Him and you will walk in the Spirit. And maybe for some of you this morning, you've given your life to Jesus. You trust in His perfect life and His death and His resurrection. But you're still struggling with the same sins over and over and over. And what I would just say is maybe for some of you, it's because you're fighting in your own power. You don't have to try so hard in your own power to do these things that end up with the same result over and over again. Guys, you have received the Spirit. Some of you are discouraged this morning and you feel defeated by the enemy. Listen, trust in the perfect work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Receive His Holy Spirit and know that you have everything that you need to receive salvation and satisfaction, forgiveness and the freedom that you're longing for. I'm going to ask that you'll stand with me. We're going to pray together. The band's going to come forward. We're going to sing one more song in our time of response to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to be here together. I thank you for each man, woman, and child that is here. I pray that right now, for the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will do a miraculous work. The greatest miracle of all is opening a dead person's eyes to Jesus and bringing them to life. And I pray that that happens right now. If there is someone here who is just playing the religious game, someone here who is believing the lie that the things of the world are better than you, would you please, right now, Holy Spirit, right now, help them to see Jesus. Help them to repent of their sins and to trust in him. Give us the life that we need and help us to overcome the sin that you have promised us that we can overcome. And I pray, Father, for those who are here that we have fallen short. God, I know that I am like Paul can relate, I feel like I'm a chief of sinners among sinners. And I just pray that for each person here that we will not walk out in guilt. We will not walk out in shame. We will remember that even when we fall, that there is forgiveness because of Christ. And I pray that that kindness and that forgiveness will drive us to wanting to experience more of you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.